Happy Friday, everyone. Welcome into your Friday edition of Final Whistle. As always, I'm your host, Blaine Spencer. I have a real treat for everyone. It's March Madness. It's begun. And what an opportunity for me to talk to someone who has covered March Madness and played in March Madness. I have Alyssa Charleston, former University of Idaho basketball player. She now works for Pac-12 reporter for women's basketball, as well as she's a content creator for Gonzaga men's basketball and Gonzaga women's basketball. Alyssa, thank you so much for taking some time out of your Friday to come on. Oh, nothing better to do on a Friday than talk hoops, talk March Madness. It's all going down. We haven't had any major upsets yet, but well, I'm I'm, my, my bracket's busted. I'm 0 2 already. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, You're picking it's not... the under, underdogs. Yeah, I took Colgate and, the, and that backfired on me. <laughs> it's all right. You know, Got to go for the underdogs sometimes. Yeah, but it happens. So, Alyssa, you've had the opportunity. You've been in the NCAA tournament twice with the University of Idaho. You went against two powerhouses in Louisville and Connecticut. Just what are the emotions these players are going through at the moment on and off the court? I mean, really, it's it's not too far to say that this is what you dream of when you're growing up playing is to make it to the NCAA tournament. This is the pinnacle of college hoops. And so many don't get to have that opportunity. So, you know, when you make it there, it's really just like you get invited to the after party of anything. Like you're, you're there, you're cool enough. You're a big deal enough. And um, obviously with my experience, the cool big deal enough part was facing UConn when they won the national championship and beat everybody by like 50 or 70 points. So that, you know, that experience was what it was, but you know, you get your plane chartered um, all your meals are really nice there's like no the limit does not exist for your meals and uh just the excitement behind it everybody's pumped up it's what you worked all season long for your season's not over and it's really just it feels kind of like you're part of the club that gets to keep playing for sure is the intensity level ratcheted up another 10 notches in comparison to playing like for you in the WAC or etc or playing in any other league I honestly don't know if because the teams that make it there have that habit get day in, day out. Right. I mean, maybe if you're kind of like an eight, nine or a seven, you know, like those different kind of matchups, a seven, 10, um, you're really, really locked in. Not like we weren't locked in. We were pumped to be playing, but we were just like, you don't want to be too over the top, too high or too low. And I think the teams that do get too high and go into these games, like they've never been here before. Maybe some of them haven't, um, those are the ones that kind of get burned early. You get too hyped, too excited. I think there has to be like a good um, in between. And that's a coach's job. That's your leaders on the team's job. So I think coming in with a level head, um, just trying to stay as consistent as you can be who you are. That's the way to approach it. Yeah. And for you from year one to year two into the tournament, was there a different mentality that you guys tried to bring in using that first year as a learning experience? I mean, you got, it, you didn't get it was UConn they when they were dominating the entire country so what did you try to take in from that game to try and take into the Louisville matchup yeah it was it was totally different even from like the selection show it was like even though we had only done it one time it was like that's the norm okay like we're doing this again we're not going to be crazy surprised and on, you know you're still celebrating you're pumped but we knew we were in because we were a conference champion so Um, we actually were kind of bummed that we weren't a 13 seed that year. We were a 14 and we had to go against the best three seed who everyone thought Louisville should have been a two seed or, you know, like it was like, of course that works out. Everybody has their story about like what they can complain about, but 
um, yeah, everything was just more normal and practices. There wasn't that, you know, day or two or three of like, wow, we're still, we're going to the big dance. Like we're playing, we get these new shoes, everybody gets new Nikes. And like, um, we got way better shoes the second year around the first year. It looked like we were like safari stomping through mud and like this weird gold color. So that wasn't great. Second year was awesome. And we were in Iowa, um, instead of stores, Connecticut, which is still a great stadium, great, great arena to play in, but it wasn't quite the same of like the palace of women's basketball over in stores, Connecticut. So everything was a little bit more level playing field a little bit. And, uh, obviously Louisville went on, I think to get, they, I think they made the national championship that year. Yeah. Or maybe I think it was the final. I think they've made the final four for sure. If I'm not mistaken. Baylor? I think that was when they lost yeah, to Baylor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Notre Dame. I think they lost to Baylor. Yeah. Baylor, Notre Dame. Okay. I don't know. I, that's all the top of my head. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> for you n- now that you've transitioned now taking a different angle of everything, being a PAC 12 analyst and now being a content creator for Gonzaga athletics, what, especially as a basketball analyst, what do you, do you try, what kind of mentality do you try to bring in on t- onto the court when you're trying to analyze a game? I try to see what coaches want their players to be doing and what players, how well they're kind of, I guess, executing that. Because for me, like naturally I'm more of a people pleaser. That's kind of like my MO. And I was definitely that way with my coach wanting to make sure we executed everything and carried out the game plan that he set out. Um, obviously there's times where you get a little freestyle and you get to do your own thing and, and, you know, just try to see, read the defense, do what you want to do to win a game. But for me, I'm really looking at like what a player does. And if it looks wrong to me, I'm immediately looking at the coach to see if I'm correct on if that player did something wrong. The cool thing that I love is like seeing coaches that are totally different from my coach. So like we really emphasized efficient, smart offense, going through your progressions. And then defense was pretty strategic because we were always undersized. Um, when we went against, you know, a non-mid-major team, when we went against power five teams, we were usually undersized. So we had to be a little bit more strategic. So we weren't like in your face press, you know, no one's ever accused me of playing great defense. So he didn't recruit me for playing great defense. He recruited me mostly for offense. And when I see coaches and teams that are like pressing heavily in your Jersey, in the passing lanes, I'm like that coach, you know, is different from John Newley. So it's really interesting to see how they coach and how, where I can learn. Um, So I really, I love to look at coaches reactions and obviously down low play uh, post play. I was more of a, I was kind of a slasher. So I'm looking at, you know, small forwards, power forwards, kind of what they're up to. And but a ton of preparation, most of the preparation goes beforehand. Like what is everybody's tendency? And then trying to see if they fulfill those tendencies during the game. If they're not, why? And try to be able to report that. But once we talk about the PAC 12 tournament, trying to be a sideline reporter right now is weird. It's, it's tough. (laughs) Yeah. How much of a difference was it for you, especially during that uh, PAC 12 tournament? Well, the funny thing is this is truly my first, this was my first time being an actual sideline reporter. I had only done color analysis So getting the trust, I guess, but obviously it's a, it's a lighter role than color analysis because you don't have to be talking the whole time. Um, I couldn't get within six feet of huddles and their masks are on coaches. Masks are generally on. Sometimes they take them down for a second. I'm like, please, please, please keep it down. But also you want them to be safe. So it's like Mm -hmm. balance. And then you have music and it's just hard to hear. Sometimes you're like guessing and you obviously can't report something that you're guessing on. Right. So 
you, I had to say like, Hey, I couldn't get anything there. Literally couldn't hear a thing. So it's the distance, you know, making sure coaches are comfortable with you too. Cause I was working with 12 different coaches, all 12 teams were there. And I let them know like, Hey, I'll be farther than six feet. I have my connects on thing that told me beeping at me when I was too close. So, um, yeah, it was, it was tough. You have to, it really helped to know basketball. That's I'll say that, mm-hmm. you know, seeing plays and stuff like that. Praying for some, the masses stay down so you can read some <laughs> lips too. Just hoping yeah. that you can take a wild guess and say, oh, that sounds, cause it kind of looks right in my, in my eyes. <laughs> right. Right. I realized how much I lip read, which is new to me. I didn't realize how much I did that before. <laughs> <laughs> and for you, I mean, you got to interview Tara Vanderveer after them, after they were able to cut down the nets, just what kind of experience was that being able to talk to her and just break down what they were able to accomplish now as now a one seed in the NCAA tournament as well. An honor, honestly, that's all I can say to be around someone and several coaches in that league that have had so much experience, so much success and just so selfless as well. Cause I got to see her coach a practice and that I had like chills for like a whole 45 straight minutes, just because wow. I'm like, it's Tara Vanderveer, you know, like if you're in women's basketball, she is one of the greatest minds there's ever been. She's the winningest coach in college basketball history for women. So, um, honestly the, the night preparing before it, because in October, because of pandemic, because of COVID stuff, I, my contract couldn't be renewed at my old station. And I love them. They're so wonderful. They tried everything they could to keep me as long as they could. But I was kind of like this, like, you know, the Michael Jordan guy, like, I, you know, in that little last dance for a different reason, like, I don't know what to do with my life. And I knew I had the confidence to find something eventually, but I knew I'd have to be patient. And the night before that championship, when I was preparing to potentially interview Tara Vanderveer or Corey Close at the end of a Pac-12 championship, I was like, Mm -hmm. It's, it's just crazy how things happen like that. It just, it makes me emotional to think about because if you have kind of a, a faith in, in, you know, what you've done and like where you've come from. Um, and obviously I'm someone who's has a pretty strong faith as well. Um, looking out for those opportunities, having them come to you. It was just, it was insane. And then Tara was so cool. She's so chill. She's always like, she after is, she's one. awesome. I grew up in the Bay area. So I've, I've been to a couple Stanford games and like, yeah, just, just, just her like after games, just like, she's totally with the crowd. Like it's, it's, it's incredible to see. Oh, that's so cool. I've never seen in Maples pavilion or anything, but she, she made a speech after that championship win to the fans and like saying like how important you guys are to us. And you could just see like, that's really cool. I bet the Bay area and like Palo Alto in general has such a strong connection to her and why not? be connected to one of the most successful women's basketball programs in history. No doubt. Usually I was at the Cal game though, cause those were the cheaper tickets though. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Cal Berkeley. I love you, but um, I'll get there. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, but continuing off of that, what are your, being able to cover the PAC 12, what are your expectations for these schools in the NCAA tournament? Like Washington state, like they're projected dead last in the Pac-12, and now they're going to be in that 8-9 matchup, actually in Gonzaga's bracket, ironically yeah. enough. So that could yep. be a potential Sweet 16 matchup. A little confliction right there for you, potentially. Yeah, some fun local vibes going on, and they didn't get a run into each other in the regular season. They they usually play in the regular season, and I think the game got canceled or postponed. I'm not sure what happened, but 
Um, they usually run into each other early on in the season. And that would have been fun to see because Washington state, like you said, surprised everybody. And it's truly because, I mean, they've got a lot of talent, but two players have really lifted them up and spread like it's Charlize Ledger Walker, really the surprise of the country. I mean, freshman, just a killer and such a killer instinct, so much patience, so much poise. If anyone listening wants to see an incredible basketball player and something different than what we see normally watch Charlize Ledger Walker, but I'm so excited to see how the Washington state Cougars do. I think they have a, a tough task in Florida, South Florida, because they're very athletic, but um, if they can control the bulls from three, I think they'll be fine. Um, they have more scoring options offensively. Uh, Stanford, I expect, I truly expect it to be probably UConn and Stanford in the championship. And I give the edge to Stanford. I've seen them more. So that's totally my, you know, that's maybe a little biased, but they're more experienced. UConn's very young and they're led in so many categories by Paige Beckers and she's a freshman. And I think Stanford has someone to slow her down. Um, UCLA, I'm, we'll see how they do. I think they can get sweet 16 and Arizona, they can be, they weren't playing their best basketball at the end of the season. So we'll see. I think the PAC 12 will definitely make mostly second round. Some will make third round a sweet 16 and then Stanford, I expect to go all the way. So Stanford, your pick taking over UConn, that would be your championship pick. Yep. All right. I actually took UConn over Stanford, ironically enough. Yeah. Okay. Well, I also went to Seton Hall. So I'm in New Jersey. So I, I'm all over the country. So I yeah. understand a little bit of uh, all the styles that UConn brings. Paige Beckers, I've seen like a lot of her games. She's special too. Phenomenal. It's, I mean, it's no doubt she's going to be the number one overall pick when, whenever she's able to leave. Totally. Yeah. And she's only going to get better. She's so, so so good yeah and um what do you think about your your zags your zags uh, they're the five seed they got an interesting they're stuck in that little 512 game that every team yeah. kind of dreads but for me i in my bracket anyway i have you guys in the sweet 16 um then losing to nc state but what are your expectations for the gonzaga ladies i honestly have i would have a similar projection i think if they get to the sweet 16 they're beating nc state because nc state is the weakest one seed in my For opinion sure. in terms of resume they were killer in the acc tournament so impressive to watch them take down louisville but um that 12 seed is not a t- an easy team belmont is mm-hmm. you know they're a 20 win team they've been to the tournament five of the last six years experience helps so much in those situations so um, I think Gonzaga's defense and rebounding are what drives them this year. It's not like they're going to fill up, put up, up 80, 90 points a game. They are so good and so disciplined on defense and rebounding. And guess what travels defense and rebounding. So I think teams that rely on the three heavily aren't going to do, you know, they'll either upset or have trouble. And I think Gonzaga is definitely a sweet 16 team. Yeah, does that uh, sweet does that championship buzzer beater to win the title carry a little bit of momentum for them? I think so, big time. Uh, it just like everything looked as bad as it possibly could, and they've had three straight years of like some sort of crazy devastation at the WCC tournament. Uh, like three years ago, it was Laura Stockton and Jill Townsend yeah. season-ending injuries, you know, leg break, ACL like awful. So two of their best players, and then they don't get to win the championship the next year. They're upset in the semis by Portland and they don't even get to play in the championship. And this year, the day before the championship, 
like eight of them get sick, serious mm-hmm. sickness, like Jill Townsend, zero points until that buzzer beater. It was insane. And it, no fans were in there, which was so weird, but they created their own energy. And I think they needed that kind of like energy boost because they kind of rolled through the WCC for the most part. Um, BYU mm-hmm. definitely challenged them, but gives them a little excitement, a little edge heading into San Antonio. Definitely. Well, let's jump to the men's side now. What I mean, I mean, the men are playing right now. So what what are some games that you're really keeping your eye on? And for me, I've got Gonzaga as my national championship. I do national championship and champion. And I think because like there's just the aura, 1976, Duke, Kentucky, don't make the tournament. Last yeah. time an undefeated team won a national championship. Just like I think all the like parallels are lining up just like straight down for the Zags. And you guys have a very special squad. I think the addition of able to have an Andrew Nemhard play right away and Jalen Suggs willing to accept that role of taking a little bit less minutes has been a real pivotal stride for you guys. What are your expectations on the men's side and for your Zags? Yeah, I think you're totally right with Nemhard. He's a guy that would be the most important player on just about any other team in the country this year. He was ready for it. Like he was obviously an all SEC player and came over to Gonzaga and I don't know if you saw this part of Mark View's press conference, but he talked about talking to Jalen Suggs about, you know, like, Hey, this yes, guy did. Yeah. Him being eligible. And he was like, are you cool with that? And Jalen was like, smiled and was like, yeah, of course, like we want to win. And um, that just shows the competitiveness and the selflessness of this team. Cause every team goes through and you saw it with Gonzaga, like you struggle with who's going to step up each night, who's going to get the attention. Everybody's human. You see it a little bit with that team, but like uh, compared to other teams that would have that kind of talent, you would not, it wouldn't be feasible. Like the, the coach that's at the top doesn't recruit players that put self my stats above the team. And you see that with Jalen, like Jalen's going to be a top two draft pick. Um, and most people say number one, but he doesn't have these crazy, amazing stats. Like he's, he's got nice stats, but you're on the best team in the country. He doesn't care about that. You like have to show all the other things and be a facilitator, be an energy guy. And I don't, this team also doesn't rely on the three and doesn't rely on like crazy, insane, hot shooting from deep. They're just efficient and they kill you with efficiency over and over and over again. And if they're playing decent defense, as a team going against them, you have to put up 85 to 95 points. If you're going to beat them, like their lowest scoring game was in like upper seventies. Most of the season they were in the nineties. So the other crazy thing is you look at their bracket and they've already beaten that they're two seed, they're three seed, they're four seed. Like they've already, you know, taken they got care a of them. great draw. It's absolutely ridiculous. Right. How good of a draw Gonzaga got. Yeah. It is insane. I don't think you could ask for much better but I'm, I'm excited to see how Kansas shows up. I'm excited to see, you know, like what, what they end up looking like at this time of the year, Iowa, if they can turn things around with their defense a little bit, pick it up. And obviously I'm really excited to see how Baylor does. And I think Illinois is just a team that's just so exciting. So fun. I don't know how consistent they are, but I I think of uh, all those teams playing at their best and I still see, and it's not just me being biased. Like this team is the best team in college basketball I've ever seen with my own eyes. Mm -hmm. And I mean, what are your, for that, for the West bracket, I mean, in Kansas and Virginia, 
both had the COVID pause. Like Virginia just got in this morning right. into, into they Indiana. Tomorrow. Yeah. And they played tomorrow. And Kansas came in, I think, either yesterday or the day before that with like, what, what are your expectations for them? Are they even going to show up? They, they might not, they might just lay eggs just because of not even being able to practice or even do a shoot around before these games even start. The thing that makes me not worry about them so much is their coaches. I mean, self is going to have his team at least ready to go against that first game. I mean, the weird thing is, I mean, we, we know Eastern Washington is their matchup and Eastern yeah. Washington is tough, but I was talking to their broadcast guy just earlier this week and he was like, it kind of depends on who Kansas decides to play. If they decide to go really big, um, that gives Eastern maybe a better chance because they've got, they can kind of match up with that and they're not as, they don't have to speed up as much. But if Kansas goes with a smaller lineup, more athletic lineup, that's going to be tough at every, you know, one through five and they're going to be able to run like crazy. So I really wonder, um, yeah, you talked about like, did they have one positive test? I think they confirmed like one. Uh, Kansas had two but mccormick tested positive before the big 12 even started so okay. mccormick's gonna be back i think from what i've but heard maybe in like a slightly different shape for yeah. sure that no matter what i mean if even if you are slightly asymptomatic you're still experiencing being away from the team and not practicing at full speed so i think they'll be a step behind but i don't i don't worry and i really don't worry about tony bennett's squad initially i think as they get later on i just watching them against gonzaga they just didn't have the offense firepower to keep up with teams mm -hmm. is there any matchups that you like you want to really like see or do you think there's any potential upsets that you see that are and, and, and on the women or men's side that you want to see um let's see i know I uconn stanford's like the plot the cherry on top for the title for the at least on the women's side and yeah, I really, I would like to see, just because I've followed Washington State all year long, I would love to see them get past South Florida, and I'd love to see them against NC State. If they mm -hmm. can take, I mean, it would be really tough. They they have to be playing their absolute, absolute best. But Washington State has taken down number seven, Arizona. They took down number five, UCLA, and that's better than, you know, I mean, that would be right around, you know, technically NC State would be like the four, number fourth team in the country right now. So I think they can do it on a neutral court. I just really want to see Gonzaga, Illinois or Gonzaga Baylor. Obviously that would have to be later on, but um, mm -hmm. I want to see all these teams because I'm, I didn't go to Gonzaga. I don't have that. Like I'm not a zag to my heart, but I have yeah. respect for this team, this program, like crazy. And so when I see people constantly discounting, like they don't play anybody, they were the first team in forever to like take down four top, 15 teams in their first like 15 games like they're playing and West hard. Virginia was the only team that actually gave them a game yeah out of those three four teams the only team that has stayed within single digits single digits yeah wild and that was I mean that was when Jalen Suggs didn't play 15 16 minutes because he came out with an injury and yeah with, with that when people the world paused on that Ankle yeah injury. oh my gosh oh that was awful. yeah still you it, it just uh, <laughs> don't want to talk about it yeah yeah it could have changed the entire season but he's he's a tough kid that dude he scares you now he scares you all the time because he's just he hustles he puts his body out there he plays like a football player out there so he he's just tough and when he goes down it's like okay he'll, he'll be fine he's he's able to step back up yeah and from what I from what I've been doing in my NBA draft prospect stuff, I have Jalen actually as my third prospect. I have Kate at one just because 
he can he does it all and i think just because of the lack of minutes i think stats does a lot though for draft stock as well which is unfortunate for jalen because he's got all the tools and measurables mm-hmm. and and then i have i think it's jail one of the ignite players i can't remember off the top of my head from the g league they've really impressed oh, okay. me it was either jalen green i think it's jalen green okay so those three guards I have, yeah, I'm a very guard oriented guy as I was, as I played guard when I played basketball. So I really watched that stuff. Well, there's good guards in this draft and I'm with you on Cade Cunningham. Like he's had to put the team on his back several times for Oklahoma state and Jalen hasn't had to do that. He hasn't had to prove it. Could he, I'm sure, but consistency wise, I've seen Cade go off and I think Jalen is, is more of a distributing guard. He's more of an incredible passer reader. He changes an offense but not as much by scoring and scoring guards are popular. They're trendy. Mm-hmm. So let's, uh, I have some fan questions actually that they wanted to ask you. So first what? one is, um, first one is always usually the same one that I get from the same guy. He does. He's not a sports journalist. He doesn't have a sports journalist background, but he always asks, went to a sports reporter. What, what advice could you give to someone that's trying to immerse themselves into the sports journalism field? I would say don't be intimidated to ask people for opportunities. Don't, if you have an idea, don't hold back on it. You've got to, nothing's going to be given to you, right? And you have to prove yourself. You have to give yourself a platform to prove yourself. And a lot of stuff, you're going to have to take not great pay for the opportunities you want. Like for Indianapolis, I might have to pay part of my own way there. Like, Cause I want to go, I don't want to be there. I want to experience that, you know? And I would say like the reason why I got the Gonzaga job is because I reached out to them. Mm-hmm. I wanted this position. So I would say, you know, definitely reach out for opportunities that you want. And if you do that consistently, instead of just sitting back on your laurels and waiting for something to come to you, something's going to pop up and your, your hard work will pay off. The other thing is, I like what we're doing right now, listening to podcasts, listening to different opinions, different insight, um, staying up on everything. Cause it's so hard to like, I was nervous. I was like, is he going to ask me a lot about NBA? Because I have not been, I know who's lead. And, you know, I know Utah is killing it. I know that, <laughs> you know, like I, the surprise is Phoenix is like second in the Western conference, which is awesome. Brooklyn. We'll see how they do like, um, and Anthony Davis is out, but I don't know as much as I normally do because I've been following college basketball so heavily. Is Anthony Davis back, by the way? Am I wrong? No, he's not back yet. I think they're going to really just hold from what I've, from people, the sources that I have, they're going to hold him out as long as possible until they really need to put him back in. Okay. Makes sense. Because they're trying to avoid the whole Golden State Warrior, Kevin Durant situation. You don't want, if you have that happen again, then now a second superstar, the NBA is going to look really bad, especially from a trainer's perspective. So that's true. That's true. So yeah, I guess my main advice would just be, be as versatile as you can. Don't limit yourself to one league or one thing and <clears throat> write as much as you can too. like get out, yeah. get opportunities by working, working your tail off. For sure. And for me, it's all, uh, I usually try to say embrace the grind. Like this mm. is not your nine to five job. You, you will like for me, like occasionally, like, I also cover S for right for SB nation for college football. So just sometimes you're up at 2am in the morning to write a story when something breaks or you're up, you're up till you're watching football all day. Then something happens and it completely changes the story that you were going to have written beforehand. So it's always, if you can embrace what's going on around you, 
you're going to be completely fine. And again, take advantage of any opportunity like podcasts and the way sports journalism or sports broadcasting has developed now in so much, even in the last 10 to 15 years, like it's been absolutely crazy. There's so much more that you can do. Like we're having a conversation for a podcast over zoom right now. Like, it, <laughs> like that was never like imaginable to be even a uh, hypothetical. So, so true. always got to embrace that grind. All right. So next question was, this is a, you could give me a yes or no or whatever you want. Um, does Gonzaga win a game by under single digits? That was the next question. They, because yeah. this guy, he thinks it's going to be a double, they're going to run through the tournament. Yeah. I think um, they will win a game by single digits, but I think it's going to take until elite eight. Iowa. Do you think it's going to be Iowa? Oh, shoot. I didn't realize that was early day. <laughs> Iowa, Kansas, USC. Final four then. Yeah, <laughs> right. Final four then. Final four. Right. Definitely beating Iowa by more than – they were up by like 30 against Iowa. And, it and then, yeah, it was just scrub order. time at that point. Yep, yep. And then the last question, this was kind of ironic. They were bringing up your Luxembourg career. And wow. they – yeah, the guy did his research. Pretty impressive. Okay. Um, what he was, he asked, what was the difference in the, the game for you playing in Europe? The difference of the culture was the gameplay, the game style, any different for you? And then why did you leave? That was his second part of the question. Wow. Well, shout out to this guy. Great question. And thanks for doing the research. So appreciate it. Um, yeah, I think about this all the time, actually, because there were two things that really were way different when I got over there. I got called for so many travels in those first like four five, six games, because the rip drive where you're like, you yeah. catch the ball and you put the ball down at the same time as you're dribbling is a travel. They call it every single time you literally, and this is every coach's nightmare in America. You have to swat the ball down. If you're like on a fast break, I'm not kidding. If you're like, if the ball's coming this way, mm-hmm. you have to pat it down with one hand or two hands, because if you catch it and then dribble, they call you for a travel every single time. It's infuriating. Oh my goodness. And then the other thing is um, fouls. So like Americans, like Luxembourgish people love Americans, but you get called for pretty much everything ticky tack early on. And the Luxembourgish local girls, um, they get to be physical pretty early on. (laughs) Usually you're matched up against, you know, the other American, like I always went up against like the USC girls or Texas girls in my league. And it was very physical, but um, yeah, you got to try to get on Luxembourg refs good sides early on. But I left because I was kind of unsure if I wanted to play in Europe initially because I was really tired. Like just, it was an exhausting season. It was so much fun that we won the WAC championship and played on, but there were a lot of like, it was a high emotion season. And I was like, I think I'm done. But then I was like, there's no way I can pass up this opportunity. So I played, we won the national championship and I was like, yeah, I did see that. that. that, you, that you, crazy. You won two trophies in like what, three or four months, something ridiculous like that. Yeah. Well, yeah. Cause the cup, that's the other Yeah. They have like a cup and then they have like the, the championship. Wow. So, yeah. You're talking yeah. like, I guess Europe, in- Europe, Europe really loves, really loves to Europe loves to put out their trophies as many as possible. <laughs> lots of trophies, lots of winners, no participation trophies. I won't go that far, but they love to have as many championships as they can to celebrate. Cause they love champagne. They love shaking that stuff up and celebrating with champagne. <laughs> How long did you stay over there? If you don't mind me asking. It was a nine and a half month season. So I got there in August and I didn't leave until May, end of mid-May, end of May. 
Yeah. And this was right after your senior year at Idaho? Yeah. So I graduated, what, May of 2014, went overseas okay. August of 2014, came back May of 2015. That's insane. Yeah. It's a long time to move away from home and like on a different time zone you know, at that point, Netflix was still figuring out how to be overseas, how to like give access. <laughs> like that's how long ago it feels. It's 2015. So yeah, it was, it, it can be very lonely. That was another reason why I was kind of like, I love my teammates. They were incredible, but we won the national championship. I felt like I needed to get started in my career in America and yeah, one and done got the trophy bounced. Hey, not a bad way to wrap it up over there. <laughs> Ended it on top. Say, I'm not touching it again. See you later. Yeah. <laughs> Hang up the cleats for good. Cleats. Cleats, yeah, sneakers, okay. sand, whatever. Sandals. This goes <laughs> yeah. on. Um, lastly, we were talking about this before we got started. Um, the whole NCAA, it's been trending for the past 24 hours now. With Oregon's Sedona Prince, I know you mentioned that you saw it from the Stanford trainer as well, where you got it. Um, and ESPN and all the major uh, sports uh, companies have picked this up with the NCAA women's uh, tournament not having any sufficient weights for the teams, while the men have a whole almost like facility in there, basically. And in the video that Sedona uh shows that you can see how there is the same amount of space in the room to have the same amount of equipment and the NCAA is trying to cover it up it looks absolutely awful on their part I wanted to get your take because you said you wanted to you had something to share on it yeah I think it's their response was pretty embarrassing because they said they don't have enough space to make it happen come on like they they showed the pan like Kia Sedona Prince showed the pan of the place around the weights that only went up to 30 and there were two each two thirties, two twenty-five. sanitized yoga mats. That was the sanitized yoga mats. Yeah. Cause that's all we do as females, right? We just do yoga. That's it. Especially athletes. Like it's so frustrating, but it's also cool to see so many male athletes come to the side of women and like say like, this is absolutely not okay. What is this? Sabrina Inescu called it out on Twitter and Instagram. Kelsey Plum commented on it saying like, what is this? Is this a joke? Like, Yes, you lost a lot of money. The NCAA lost over six hundred million by not having a tournament last year. But you're going to try to get corners by violating directly, like Title IX procedure. That blows my mind. That you're going to give an entire gold's weight room to the men, and not even not even a nice enough like to call like a hotel fitness room. Maybe half of a hotel fitness room to the women. And now I wouldn't even consider that half of a hotel fitness room. No. That's just the bare minimum that they probably mustered out. And they were just like, okay, we can potentially get away with this. Right. Perfectly okay. And I think the NCAA is a huge, Mark Emmert is, I, I can't, I would rant about him for about 30 minutes just because I can't stand him. But um, he's also cutting all the smaller sports on both on women and men's sides like yeah the whole the money issue is just absolutely mind-boggling to me like if you're actually for the student athlete and now because of the whole likeness situation that's come out they're almost with that's going to start hopefully in the next year or two yeah that they're just they say it's not money but it's all about money and they need to have control like if it's yes. not in their controlled environment it does not go bode well for them 
and this is absolutely pathetic on the on the NCAA's part. I mean, it's I I hope that this will finally make that push that they can actually be some equality that needs to be there. So, yeah, well, it's just if you want there to be equality, if you're going to pretend like you're pushing for equality and people to watch women's basketball as much as men in the college sports realm, and you're not going to back it up with easy, easy equality. I mean, you get people to bring in equipment, you find ways, you make that happen. You're just not putting, you're not even putting half of the, a quarter of the amount of money where your mouth is. You're giving, you're furthering, you're literally creating a bigger disparity by letting that happen, giving them weights, giving them all the upper opportunities, ample opportunities. Um, and I'm now I'm very curious. I will definitely be asking Gonzaga women uh, how everything else is going on in that bubble. What else they get compared to what the men are getting. For sure. And I will be the first one to be reading it. So hopefully these, <laughs> so get the inside scoop, hopefully. Yes. Um, Alyssa, I want to thank you so much for taking some time out of your Friday. I know it's a little hectic for you with both tournaments starting up. So again, thank you so much for joining Final Whistle. It's been my pleasure. Oh, it's been my pleasure to be on. Thank you so much. It was a fun conversation. Absolutely. Hopefully we can do it again soon. Um, everyone, enjoy your weekend. The madness has started. Go watch some college basketball on the men's and women's sides. All right. It's going to be a great tournament. Enjoy your weekend.